Welcome to Good Morning, the podcast on a mission to open up the conversation around grief and loss with honesty and humour. Hosted by Sally and Imogen, we interview interesting guests to hear how losses shape their lives. Join us as we laugh, cry and drop the odd F-bomb. Welcome back to the Good Morning Podcast. Hey, Sal. Hey, Im. How are you doing? I am counting down the days till I see you in person. Only five days to go. Happy Freedom Day, guys. We are out of lockdown here in Sydney and it feels so good, doesn't it? Have we been in lockdown for about three and a half months? It's been a long time. I have lost count, but it's been a long, long time. I feel like it's more than three and a half months. So anyone that is also in Sydney, we hope you guys are enjoying your freedom. And for everyone else, we hope you guys are okay. It has been definitely, I would say the last couple of weeks challenging for me, like my grief and then not being able to see friends and just, you know, we've had quite bad weather in Sydney as well. So we've not really been able to do anything. Um, Yeah, it's going to be good to see each other, isn't it? And just have a bit of normality. I know. Yeah, going go and sort of go out for lunch and all those exciting things. Yes, you've been feeling a bit of frustration lately, haven't you, Sal? Which is a normal part of grief as well. Like that's yes. been popping up for you lately. I have. I've been feeling frustrated and I've also been feeling, um, and I'm not sure if any listeners have experienced this, I'd really love to know. So if, if this has happened to you as well, drop us a DM on Instagram at Good Morning Podcast because I have felt really griefy, but I haven't been able to sort of let it out in by crying. And I felt like I've wanted to cry. Like I had a grief sesh the other week and regular listen, listeners will know that a grief sesh is when we get the photos out, we put the music on, we actively try and draw, draw the grief out. And um, so I got the photos out and I got everything out and I just, nothing was coming out. I was just feeling really frustrated, but no like tears, but I felt sad and I was saying to my husband like am I just like emote like what's going on for me emotionally right now why why is it showing up for me like this um and yeah so I've been feeling frustration around that but also I've been feeling like I've been really missing my mom and it's not that I'm not grieving but I'm it's just not coming out for me at the moment in a way where I'm crying or I'm having the big sobs that I had before so potentially if you're not getting that normal release that you were used to where you feel like the weight kind of comes off you. So that's probably where the frustration is because it's all kind of building up inside and you haven't been able to release it that way. Yeah, potentially. I think definitely lockdown has been a factor as well um, as it has for many, many people. Um, But I think, yeah, my grief is definitely showing up in a bit of a different way at the moment. So um, it's something that I'm trying to work through and I'm like trying to work really hard on like getting it out, but it's just not coming out in the way that it normally does. So it's an interesting time um, to be grieving for me. It's forever evolving, this old grief, isn't it? It is. How's your grief? How's your oh, grief? My grief is ever <laughs> present in everything, always. <laughs> it's not really a convo you have down the pub, is it? Over, yeah. a, over a beer. So how's your grief doing? Oh, um, but how, uh, yeah, how is it going? My grief is going okay. 
I have just, my mental health has not been great lately. Um, Funnily, it's just been World Mental Health Day as well. And yeah, so I'll talk about that openly. Um, Anxiety is something I've struggled with for a long time and grief anxiety is a whole other thing. Um, But yeah, I've just been struggling, like feeling like, impending doom is here always and I don't know again if that's because I've been stuck in lockdown as well um it may have just gotten to me the fear of the pandemic all of that stuff probably um intensifies it Mm -hmm. but yeah I've been really having to like manage that a lot like going for like short runs or doing the breath work meditations or just trying to stay on top of it because otherwise it really can control you Mm -hmm. um so that's been my grief is my grief and anxiety is I've been dealing with lately. I'm um, sorry to hear that because it's, it's, it's not nice and it's hard when you're already sort of going through, you know, you're grieving and then you've got that on top of what is already a very difficult thing to process and to move yeah. through. And then the anxiety can just really heighten things, can't it? And it can just hit you out of nowhere as well. Yeah, mine is like a super annoying constant type of anxiety like I used to have generalized anxiety disorder which means it's just always there and everything so it's just been one of those things where it's like a light switch has gone off inside my brain and gone live in fear again (laughs) you know it's weird and it's like how do you get that bloody thing to turn off um but yeah it's managing that but for any anyone listening who also experiences anxiety as a result of grief you're not alone and it's hard and it's scary but it can be managed and I've gotten through it before and I'm going to get through this again. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not fun. No, not at all. And it sounds like you've got some coping mechanisms in place. Um, but for anyone else that is experiencing grief and anxiety, we do have an episode on this that we did a few months ago. So definitely check that out because it's got some helpful tips in there. But on to today's guest, because I think we could do a whole podcast <laughs> on frustration Catching and anxiety. Yeah. Um, so, Im, who are we talking to today? So today we are talking with director and producer Tahina McManus. We are so excited to have her on the podcast. Um, we are talking about her experiences, experience of having multiple miscarriages and the grief that can come with early pregnancy loss. So after experiencing her first miscarriage in 2017, Tahina began filming her feature documentary called Misunderstandings of Miscarriage, which stands for mum. And it documents her personal journey to understand the physical, emotional, as well as the psychological impacts of miscarriage. And it is a fantastic documentary. It's such a good documentary and really important. It's a really important topic, miscarriage. And the reason that we're releasing this episode today is because it's Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day 2021. Um, And we felt this was a really important conversation to have and something that has touched many of our listeners, me included. Um, I had a miscarriage um, two and a half years ago. So the same year that my mum died. So that... uh, 2019 was a yeah a big a big year of loss for me and it was bloody hard and it's not I think until you go through it when you are trying to get pregnant then you get pregnant and if you know then you lose the baby it's one of those things a bit like grief really you don't realize how little we talk about these things until it happens to you like for me I didn't realize that one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage. I had really no idea about the risks. And then when it happened to me, um, my doctor was so blasé. She was like, 
oh, I'm really sorry, but this is this is so common. Like you've got nothing to worry about. And you're thinking, hang on a minute. I've just like been through something that's really shook me up and, 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 and it was really hard. And then when you get talking to people, they say, like a lot of my friends and people that I knew said, oh yeah, that's happened to me. I've had a miscarriage before, you know, um, early pregnancy loss. And it's, yeah, it's one of those things you don't really talk much about. I think the tide is turning um, a bit more, but it's, yeah, it's, it's hard. Slowly but surely, but it is one of those conversations that we do need to have because people get really uncomfortable by it and they don't know how to support someone through it. Um, and as well, it's that disenfranchised grief too, where society doesn't really see it as a big deal, which is so mental because until you've gone through it, you don't realize how much of a big deal it really is going through pregnancy loss. Like it is, it is huge. And those statistics are very high. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It is a disenfranchised grief and um, and one that society doesn't acknowledge as much as it should. Like we said, like the, the tide is turning and there are more and more conversations being had. And Tahina does talk about how when it happened to her in 2017, there wasn't as many conversations happening around miscarriage. Um, and now, you know, there are there are becoming more and more. Um, and Tahina had three miscarriages. Um, and that's kind of what she documents in the um, in the documentary. But it's a really insightful chat. She shares how she overcame, you know, her feelings of shame and isolation, because that is, again, quite a common feeling, I think, when this can happen to you, especially if people aren't talking about it openly. And we also talk about partners, because that's a really big one. I think sometimes yes. we can forget about how this kind of loss can impact partners as well. So she shares some really in interesting insights around how it impacted her relationship with her husband and how they worked through that. Um, and I found that a really interesting part of the conversation. Yeah. So whether you've experienced baby loss yourself or you're wanting to support someone who has, we hope that this conversation will comfort, educate and inspire you guys. So enjoy. Enjoy guys. How are you doing anyway? It's so nice to connect and we really love your documentary and obviously everything you're doing in this space to raise awareness of miscarriage. It's just so important. So yeah, thank you for joining us. And also like massive props to you for doing what you're doing in terms of turning the, you know, dial on having these conversations. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's, um, I'm doing okay. It's yeah, it's been um, a, a few years now. So it's, it's an interesting kind of uh, from when I first started talking about it to where I am now, it's, it's completely different. So Tahina, you began filming your documentary, which is called Misunderstandings of Miscarriage, that stands for Mum, which is a great title. And um, so that was in 2017, after experiencing your first miscarriage. The documentary aims to shatter the silence around grief uh, surrounding pregnancy loss, which can still be a cultural taboo to talk about. Um, so can you talk us through your personal experience with miscarriage and what made you decide to make your documentary? Uh, well, basically, my first miscarriage happened overseas. Um, my husband and I uh, decided we wanted to start a family. Um, I had not heard, I mean, I had heard about miscarriage, but it wasn't sort of in my sphere very close to me. So I um, fell pregnant straight away and all the discussions happened around, you know, was it a boy? Was it a girl? We had named the baby. Um, we told our family and friends. And I guess I just never expected anything to go wrong. And I was 28 at the time. Um, and I 
ended up at about six weeks miscarrying that baby. And it was just the most awful isolating, not only physically because I, you know, um, I don't know if either of you have personally also experienced miscarriage, but what you physically feel, you know, stabbing pains and cramps and you see blood and then all of a sudden your mind just goes to the worst case scenario and you're trying to make sense of it all. So I, you know, went on my phone, I was Googling, we ended up at um, an emergency room where they did an ultrasound and the whole time I was cramping and bleeding and, uh, you know, subsequently um, ended in miscarriage and I was told to go home and take a Panadol. And that was it. That was all the information I was given. Um, and I had, I had so many questions at that time. Um, because again, I just had never really seen or heard about it publicly, or it wasn't even something that I guess I always sort of assumed it happened to older women or, you know, I just, I just had assumptions about miscarriage. And then, um, I fell pregnant with Echo, my daughter afterwards. And that sort of created a lovely bandaid effect. And then, um, when we decided to go again, Um, I fell pregnant straight away and we lost that baby. And it was that loss um, that really spurred me to start talking about it publicly. And I wasn't really sure what I was going to do yet with these video diaries. Um, I work in film and TV, but so I just, I I started filming on my phone. And again, I, I, I just had no idea what I wanted to say yet, but I knew that something had to be said because I was feeling all these things. Um, and then the emotional toll really took a, sorry, the emotional, in, uh, I guess, aspect really took a toll on that second miscarriage where um, all these feelings of self-blame, isolation, what I was doing, what was I doing wrong? What have I done wrong? Like what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my husband? All these things. Um, And that's when I decided to start filming and it sort of grew into a film. Thankfully, I, you know, my producing partner was like, I think there's something here. There's a bigger conversation to be had. And I think we can string these stories together to talk about this publicly. And you are absolutely right. Like, It is so isolating. I had a miscarriage at five and a half weeks um, a couple of years ago. And I remember that like it was such a shock and it was so physically and emotionally draining. But I remember my doctor just saying, I'm really sorry, but this happens all the time. And it was like no big deal. And I it really shocked me because I was like, this is such a big deal. And it's like it feels really traumatic. And like you said um, earlier, like no one talks about it. You don't know how common miscarriages are. Like I had really had no idea either. It's really shocking. So well done for, for raising awareness and bringing the conversation out because you are absolutely right. Like it is not talked about enough and people, yeah, you've just got no clue what you're, what you're walking into. No, exactly. And you, and you hit the nail on the head. It's just, it is, it is very, very common, but just because something is common doesn't make it any less painful it's yeah. just she was sort of armed with these tools um and so I guess yeah that's just why I sort of created film and I do think the conversation has grown in the last five years but certainly and again I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss because people don't really acknowledge weren't acknowledging it at the time of my losses I just felt like you know something needed to be done Definitely. And Tahina, in the film, you say that sometimes miscarriage, it can be dismissed. 
but the grief that can come with this type of loss can be huge. So how did your grief show up for you and what helped you cope through those times? Yeah, uh, well, that's, I guess, one of the biggest um, sort of things that I wanted to explore was this idea of the grief surrounding the loss because um, it is this imagined life, this imagined child, this future. And um, I guess because it was dismissed as you know, a group of cells or it was just an abnormal something. And it's like, you know, it, this is a good thing. It happened. That whole life that you created is sort of ripped away. That person you created is ripped away. Um, so you are dealing with a level of grief that's really hard to actually understand. And for me, um, it, it sort of resulted in anxiety, in, um, yes, isolation. Um, I didn't really know how to talk to my husband about it until we actually started talking about it um and you know when i when i did fall pregnant with my son um that's when i really realized there was a lot that i hadn't dealt with because there was there was just so much anxiety um because i just don't think i processed that grief in the right way um and acknowledged that um that it was a loss and that, you know, it's okay to sort of cry and not be okay because it was very real to me. It was a very real baby. Um, and, you know, all the doctors can say, well, it was, you know, only this or only that, but for me, it was, it was a baby. And it's one in four pregnancies that end up in miscarriage. So the statistics are so high and that really blew me away watching your documentary and finding out that because I had no idea that it was that many women. And I think, you know, that's a lot of trauma that women and couples are dealing with behind closed doors as well. And I think what people who haven't experienced pregnancy loss firsthand may not realize is it can leave you with feelings of shame and guilt which I don't think people talk about enough. And so it's brilliant that you were so open and honest about that in your documentary. Um, and I think people can left be feeling like it's somehow their fault that it happened, um, which can be incredibly isolating. And so you've spoken openly about how you isolated yourself because you felt like a failure and that your body wouldn't do what it was supposed to do, which is, a, I think, a very common response to this type of loss. So can you talk us through that period of your life and how you actually managed to pull yourself out of that place? Yeah, I, and again, you're right too, the, the shame and the guilt that comes along with it is so in and, and because you don't un you you can't understand it that's yeah. the hard thing you're like you're blaming yourself and you're trying to understand all these feelings that are coming up and it's it's really it's it's really confronting and I, I guess for me what what I what I did well certainly being open and talking about it was the first step of me acknowledging that this was affecting me in a certain way um and all the women that I were that I sort of spoke to as well, they had their own way of dealing with it. And some women are very pragmatic. Some women were able to process it and go, you know what, this is something my body did. Other women were so impacted by it, they couldn't go back to work. Um, you know, levels of post-traumatic stress disorder came out, like all these other factors came in. So for me, I, the first step in, in healing what I was going through was knowing that, okay, I'm feeling these feelings of shame and guilt and sort of reminding myself that it's not my fault. It's not my fault. But that a lot of that was through education and reading. And that, again, that was why I created the film was because I wanted to create a resource for women to see that because you don't want to have to go down Dr. Google for them to tell you it's okay. Like, you know, you, you drank an extra cup of coffee, like it, things like that, that you innately blame yourself. And, um, 
And it'd be so easy to spiral into those. I think with like any type of loss, like guilt is very prevalent and you can just, you know, you can send yourself mad trying to get answers to things. It's really tough. Yeah. And I went as far back as like what I was, you know, who I was as a teenager. I was like, well, what did I, what did I do as a teenager? I used to run a lot. Maybe that's impacted my, I mean, I just beat myself up to the point of like, and I know women do that because well, I know a lot of people do that. And then on the other side of it, then I find out my husband's doing the exact same thing. And then we're both beating ourselves up. We're both feeling ashamed and guilty, but we're not talking about it. So there's a bigger problem there. And like you said, it becomes like a hidden trauma that couples go through and they haven't been allowed um, or given the resources to understand that it's neither anyone's fault. It's just the, the human body is really complex and it's, you know, it, it really is. I was saying to my mum the other day, like even looking at my kids, I'm like, it really actually is a miracle. It's a miracle when you fall pregnant and, you know bless you if you have a healthy pregnancy and nothing goes wrong it's just you're so lucky you know I think when you're kind of going into pregnancy like for me anyway I was quite naive and I just thought well you know you just fall pregnant and that's it and I really was not prepared for like the things that can go wrong and that can happen and I think in society you know pregnancy loss it it falls into the category of disenfranchised grief yes and it's really not recognized as much as it should be you know society doesn't recognize the magnitude of this kind of loss um it can often be dismissed and uh, it can leave you feeling like really really isolated and alone yeah isolating your grief because again yeah like you said the disenfranchised grief which was a huge factor in 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 my film as well was just discussing that because um it's it's almost like you're not given permission to grieve it's like, well, no, you, you know, you go back to, and, and women, and although that's changed um, or hopefully changing in Australia with legislation change, but, you know, women were going back to work and lying to their bosses or lying to family members because they felt like they couldn't grieve because, well, technically it's not a real baby, you know, in inverted commas. And it's, it's like, well, again, what I was going back to before, no, it, it is very much so for that family experience in it. And when you have multiple miscarriages, then on, on that layer on top as well is even worse because it's just like um how do I explain it it's just like you're dealing with you know one after the other after the other and then that's when things get really scary and like you said you know then doctors intervene and things like that and it's just you it becomes this like silent battle that you that you have Mm -hmm. to go through and you grieve for the life that you want as well, that you think, you know, that you've been planning for. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a complex and multi-layered grief, isn't it? Because Exactly, yes. It's, it's complex, it's multi-layered. And, and like you said, you're grieving the loss of a child, an imagined child. And I know that sort of sounds ridiculous to those who haven't experienced loss, but immediately when you see those two pink lines, it's like, I'm pregnant. Oh my goodness. What does my future look like? And you know, oh, you start planning everything. Like <laughs> you, yeah. you name the child, like it all happens so quickly. As soon as you find out you're pregnant. Exactly. You know, you buy, I remember sort of like I was imagining, you know, the, the walking to school, the soccer practice, the, this, the, that, yeah. it's all of that comes straight away. So yeah, when it's, when it's ripped away, the grief is so intense yet because it's not, technically you know a visceral like tangible here's your child it's it's so it's so hard to explain to people um what you're feeling 
And that leads me on to the next question, which I think is really important when you're thinking about like when you do fall pregnant, having that support around you. So what I want to um, ask you is about the 12 week rule. So there is, you know, an unwritten rule in place that you need to keep your pregnancy under wraps until 12 week week mark um, when it's safe to announce pregnancy to family and friends Um, and there was a part in your documentary that really stood out for us where Katie Lindman was explaining that this rule only adds to the shame and isolation when you experience pregnancy loss and has kind of created a hierarchy of grief so depending on what point you are in your loss and how many weeks in you are to pick how much you can grieve your loss. Um, And based on your research and experience, do you think that couples should wait 12 weeks to share their news? Yeah, this is really interesting. And and definitely, like you said, when I spoke with Katie, like though she brought up so many valid, great points that like, I, I never understood that hierarchy of grief because at, at what point, and I guess that was the always, the conversation of when does it become a real baby? It's it's so confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 12-week rule is interesting because I do think, you know, some people want to keep their news private and I respect that and I understand that. But if it's for the reasons of, well, in case this makes someone uncomfortable or in case you do lose it and, you, you know, you don't want to upset anyone or upset, you know, like, yeah, it was, it's really strange to me. And I do, I'm of the belief and I always have been that. Um, and, and by no means do I mean like go on Instagram and announce it to everyone, but certainly sharing the news with your family or people you trust. Um, because if something does go wrong, you need that support system there. And if they are, um, well-equipped, uh, with tools and understanding of, and again, that's just growing the conversation with the resources, they can help you through it. Whereas by not telling anyone, you're just, yeah, you're just adding to this idea that it's, it's a shameful loss and that should be kept secret. It's, it's, it was really bizarre to me. And I, I'm so glad Katie was so eloquently, um, or she so eloquently described, described it because um, I think it's a really important part of pregnancy and, um, and it, yeah, announcing that news. She had so many amazing insights didn't she like everything she said I was like oh wow wow like I had no idea about that like there was a one really amazing quote that she said on this topic she was saying there is a societal view that the stage of gestation determines the validity of the loss yeah and I was like yes like how how is that even a thing like we need to have this conversation because that's not okay that that's happening no exactly and it's and the, the funny thing is is when she said that out loud and you know, when I spoke to all the women, the same, the same thing just kept coming up was that this was my baby. This was my loss. And, you know, I did speak to women who lost their, and by no means is this taking away from someone who suffers from a late term miscarriage or stillbirth, because that is equally as traumatic. But again, we can't say, well, your pain is, is more than my pain because every, the hierarchy but, comes in. Exactly. Yeah. And it's everyone's experience. And, you know, certainly it, it I guess, speaking from my own experiences when you want something so bad and it's not happening or it's ripped away um you that grief that you're feeling that pain that you're feeling for someone to say yeah but it's not as bad as you know sally over there and something happened you know like it's it's just unfair yeah. so it's i think i think by opening the conversation talking about it, women like katie all the women in the film and you know they're very present on social media as well talking about it 
it just helps in kind of debunking that strange rule of like, nope, silence around the 12 weeks, because I just think that's a bit, bit dated, to be honest. I absolutely agree with you. And I think to your point earlier, having that support network when things, if things do go wrong or take a turn, it's just so important to have that support. And what I found was when I was going through the miscarriage, when I opened up to other people, it was only then that people were like, oh, I've had a miscarriage before. This has happened to me. And people don't talk about it. It's not like you go around going, hey, you know, this has happened to me necessarily. Uh, but, But when you do open up the conversation, then you find out that actually it's quite common and people have been through this. You might not realize they've been through it because in society, you know, we we don't talk about it as openly what you're doing is helping to change that but yeah and 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 I think we need to be open about these things to in order to have the conversations yeah because it is like you said it is actually common the the more you talk about the more you realize how many people are affected or my sister my mother my you know I when I was going through it I found out my um mom had a miscarriage and I had no idea you know because she just sort of cut that off and I I suppose it's yeah I think I can't remember what my point was but yeah certainly the the conversation around it and that support network. And sometimes it's not even, you know, I have all the answers and here's, you know, here's all the resources. It's just being that ear to listen to what that, what that person is experiencing. You know, the other factor in, in, in especially making the film is I have a lot of friends who have no children or, or have decided not to have children and don't know how to support women or, or, or want to connect on how, what you're experiencing, but don't know how So my idea was trying to put into like, well, this is the experience. And if you can kind of understand it as a real loss and not a disenfranchised grief, as we've been discussing, then that will give you the tools to support them, you know, because I think a lot of the time, um, certainly with my friends, they just didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to say because is it real? Is it not? Do I try and be like, oh, it's common, you know, just try again or do we sit in that loss? Like it was, it, you know, it was interesting kind of talking to my friends as I was making the film as well about what they were experiencing. Another big takeaway from your documentary was um, that it can be really difficult for women to connect with another pregnancy after a miscarriage because, you know, you're always anticipating if something's going to go wrong and kind of might lose that blissful feeling of being pregnant because you are so full of fear and anxiety that something might happen yeah um I that was huge for me uh funnily enough not so much like when I was pregnant with Echo after the first loss I think for the first you know maybe I I was very very scared those first 12 weeks um because then it was like declared safe which I know now is actually ridiculous because anything can happen but um certainly when I was pregnant with my son after another two losses um and what I was going back to before was um the anxiety I had around the pregnancy and even after the birth I noticed that I was still I I really had a hard time connecting with the pregnancy because with my daughter I felt so connected um I I just assumed that um everything was okay And so then when I was pregnant with my son and I had no connection and I didn't really put two and two together at the time that all that anxiety and stress leading up to his pregnancy is probably what resulted in me being so disconnected from from that pregnancy. And then that just compounded this whole idea of guilt and shame. Like now I feel guilty because what type of, you know, mother am I? I can't connect with this baby inside me. What's wrong with me? Like, so it was, it was very, um, 
very hard. And, and I know a lot of women have a hard time relaxing through, you know, nine months is a very long time to be anxious and stressed out um, when it should be a joyous time. It's, it, it's hard to, um, yeah, it's hard to kind of sit back and go, I'm going to enjoy being pregnant when you've been through loss for sure. And that was another crazy statistic that came up that about one in three women who experience pregnancy loss will suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder as a result, which is so incredibly high. Like that's a lot of women experiencing that. And so I think PTSD can manifest in ways that you said, like anxiety and heightened stress and also anger and irritability. And they might not necessarily know where it's coming from. And um, I think, yeah, you mentioned yourself that, you felt really detached from yourself. Um, do you think that the PTSD from this type of loss is a result of some sort of unprocessed uh, grief or under-acknowledged grief? Like, is oh, that where do you think sure. it's stemming from? Yeah, for sure. And I did, and again, it was sort of took me years and editing the film and all that sort of stuff to kind of get to those resolutions. But it was absolutely, um, you know, I, my very first miscarriage, Echo came along that provided a nice little band-aid on everything. And then, you know, I tried again, lost that baby, tried again, lost that baby. And all those things just kept building and building and building and building. And I kept trying to deflect and suppress and, and, and at the same time, work on a documentary about miscarriage. So it was, it was quite a lot, you know, I wonder if I wasn't working on the film, if I would have been in a, in a worse place or a better place. I'm, I, I don't know, because um, I, I remember when I fell pregnant finally with Oshin, but I was talking to women who were losing their babies at the same term gestation as me. Um, it just got really, it got really difficult and really hard to kind of detach sort of the filmmaker self versus the mother self versus the woman who's experienced miscarriage self. It got really confusing. Um, and I just wish perhaps, if, I, I wish if I dealt with maybe the feelings a little bit earlier on before jumping in so quickly, um, I might've had an, a, an easier time enjoying that pregnancy. But as, you know, as luck would have it, you know, he's perfectly healthy and fine and you know, in hindsight now, I, I guess I needed to experience that to really um, understand you know, my, I guess, my bigger purpose to be here to tell the, the story. I think Sal and I have had similar sort of feelings like our mums both died suddenly within the last two years and we just threw ourselves into the podcast to talk mm -hmm. about it. And, you know, we interview people talking about their loss and like we have that same kind of experience as you where it's like we're so immersed in loss and grief it's like it's hard to differentiate you know where we're at with what other people are feeling or is yeah it's just we're so in it but I, I do think it's been incredibly healing for us to talk about it and of I course. you know I like you imagine where would we be if we didn't have this platform to talk about our loss like I think yeah. we'd be feeling a lot more isolated and alone yeah and that's it you don't know how how it kind of pans out you know and I, I do think certainly by talking about and even if you are a blubbering mess and you're still trying to process the feelings as you're going and that certainly was oh I cry all the time on most yeah. episodes <laughs> of course yeah. yeah I mean it's you're still processing it as well and and I guess that's the beauty of having an iPhone is that I had the iPhone so when I was sort of going through that 
it was there, non-judgment. It's just me and my iPhone. There's no judgment. So let rip, I suppose, you know? So yeah. And all those bits were so raw and so real. And I think anyone who was experiencing what you had gone through would have really connected with you watching that and made them feel like they weren't the only one going through that, which is so important. Yeah. And like what you guys are doing too, it is, it's just, um, it, 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 you don't know where you're going to end up, but you've just got to, you've got to start, right? You've got to start talking about it and, and see what happens. And Tahina, your husband, Tristan, um, he featured a lot throughout your documentary, which is fantastic. And he seems like a really good egg. Um, <laughs> and it's so important to give men a voice. Um, he was really honest. He, you know, expressed how hot, broken he felt and how helpless he felt um which we can imagine is very very common um and can have a quite a huge impact on relationships so um how does miscarriage affect relationships and what tips do you have for anyone experiencing um these issues at the moment yeah uh, well, look, my my husband, it took me a while to get him on board. Like you said, it's uh, he had a really hard time with being vulnerable um, and it took a lot of probing for me and it took me opening up to start um, for him to do that. And I think that's probably one of the biggest impacts on relationships is that um, neither of couples are not, they're going through these huge emotions, yet they're not talking to each other. So this grief that perhaps the husband is feeling or the partner is feeling versus what you know the woman who actually lost the bait you know like it's 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 very confusing and I guess it adds this sort of big wedge in that relationship because um certainly with my husband and I like I didn't know he was blaming himself he knew I was blaming myself but didn't know how to talk to me about it and then how was he go? He just wanted to be this sort of big, strong rock. And so, you know, how dare he feel anything else? So I do think, you know, it, it can separate couples. It can be really hard for couples to go through and that self-blame, whether you blame the other person, it gets really complex. But my biggest tip out of all of this, and certainly from everything that I've learned is talking, talking about it. And it is uncomfortable. It is not a nice place to be so vulnerable and, you know, share your deepest, even with your closest partner. It is still so terrifying to go to that deep, dark place of yourself and go, I am feeling this. It's really scary. But um, we did and we're better for it. And that is my that is my one piece of advice. Listen and be okay with being the rawest part of yourself. Because if if your partner is not okay with that, then, you know, you're probably not in the right relationship, but I can guarantee you your partner will be supportive if they see that true part of yourself. And had you not had that conversation with him, you wouldn't have known that he was going through all the guilty feelings as well, like wondering what he'd done wrong or how he could have contributed to it somehow. And so he's probably, yeah, going through it alone as well. So I think it is so important to have that conversation with each other. Absolutely. And actually, a part didn't make the film, but he went and bought like all these vitamins and stuff. And oh. you know, I found all these like vitamin things. I was like, what is all this stuff? He was like, oh, that actually came before you fell pregnant with Echo. He's like, I thought maybe I wasn't healthy enough. And so, and I didn't realize he was doing all these things, you know, so I, and I wish, I, I guess I was pretty selfish in what I was going through. I don't know, selfish. I don't know. It's hard to explain. I mean, I'm sure you guys 
with all the varying degrees of grief, like what you're going through and trying, but I was so engrossed in what I was experiencing that I somewhat neglected what he was going through. And I, I, I guess that's one regret I have is I wish I maybe took a little bit more time to just be with him and understand what he was feeling. Um, yeah. I think grief and, you know, these experiences can be all consuming. I know both Im and I have, um, you know, when we were in our, the initial throes of grief after our mums died, we were very much, it was, it was all consuming for us. And we didn't really think about how our partners might be feeling either. And I know it's a little bit of a different situation, but um, yeah, I think you do, you do kind of wrap yourself up in it because it is such a, a big thing for you. So completely, yeah, completely see where you're coming from with that. Yeah. And maybe that is, maybe that is a bigger conversation. Like, you know, I, I think grief in general is something we all sort of think, okay, I'm going to go through this because I don't want to upset anyone. But, you know, I'm sure if you were to speak to your closest friend or your partner or someone, they're there to hold your hand and, and you might connect on a different level. I think that's maybe, that's even probably a bigger conversation about processing grief and loss. Absolutely. I think people don't necessarily want to burden people with what they're going through. They don't want to be the sad one or the one always bringing the mood down if they talk about it all the time. But people love to help others. They love to be there to support people. And we did a, um, a podcast interview yesterday with Lauren Brand and she was saying like she has got to the place where she just tells people she needs help now. She's like, I, I'm not okay and I need help. And I think that's such a fantastic thing to do is just like let people around you know what's going on for you and, and try to be vulnerable. It is really hard. Yeah, try <laughs> to be. help everyone because you just don't know, you know, you don't know what everyone's experiencing. And yeah, we did a whole episode on grief and how it impacts relationships. And it was just so much to talk about. Oh my God, you'd be <laughs> but there's something like, isn't it weird? Because, you know, those moments even like, I, sometimes I even just grieve the fact that we, you know, we're trapped indoors. We can only go outside for an hour and I'm, there's something so cathartic about just like crying and screaming and being so upset that you're like, oh, I'm so glad that that is out there now. I'm just, I needed that, you know? We, um, we actually, we call them grief sessions. So when we like, we actively like draw our grief out, if we feel like we're getting, you know, a bit angsty or we're feeling the feels, we like get the photos out, we put the music on, we have an ugly cry. And yeah, it's so, it's so good. You need to draw the feelings out. You need to acknowledge them and like process them. Yeah. Um, yeah and you'd be better for it. Right. I, I assume like, even with what you got, what you, you, girls have been through is it's hugely traumatic but you need those moments to just like you said ugly cry it's it's weirdly cathartic and helps you move on it's it's a strange it's strange I guess looking at it and sort of saying that but it is it's it's the truth yeah because if you hadn't gone through it, you'd be like why would I make myself cry that sounds like <laughs> the most absurd thing ever but it's it does you get to that point I think Sal and I have like kind of weeks where we feel quite numb but it's all bubbling away under the surface it's like not processing our emotions and it just gets to the point where it's like coming out and like snappy we're getting snappy at our partners or pissed off at someone that cuts you off on the road it's like you need to get it out because all of that is just built up emotions that you're not you know processing so I think yeah it helps so much with our grief so I'm glad that that's something that we learned to do because yeah it's hard and like you said, I guess what you were taught in general, like with society, it, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to see someone crying. And I remember seeing a mother cry at the playground, just bawling her eyes out. Aww. And I remember just sort of like 
smiling at her, but she smiled back after she had cried. And I, I assume she just had a really bad kid day, you know, like yeah, so like, many of those, <laughs> you know, like, I'm so tired. And, and she smiled at me and I just sort of, and I think I was like, yeah, good on you. Like sometimes it's, it's okay. And I think as again, that's just a general bigger conversation in society is that, you know, this idea of like, nope, soldier on it's very old school mentality. And sometimes it, you know, it, it works to kind of get on with things, but at other times there's no harm in just letting loose of like, this is what I'm feeling because you, you're actually stronger for it. So true. And in your documentary, you talk about the need to improve the language that we use around miscarriage, which we absolutely agree with. Um, what can we do as a society to improve how we approach the topic? Oh, look, I think, um, again, it's anything, and uh, I, I work closely with the Pink Elephant Support Network. So they've also been um, really instrumental in changing the language and the dialogue. But a lot of this sort of, well, at least you know, this, this idea of like, well, at least you can get pregnant. At least it was only two weeks. At least, you know, uh, it, at least it was now and not, you know, when you're 20 weeks, which again is a bizarre hierarchy of grief. Um, I think anything like that, which dismisses it, dismisses the loss, um, is, is not, um, it's not good language. It's, it doesn't help. It's, um, and then I also think just in, I, I've been really trying, I guess, in the medical community, um, to have a little bit more empathy uh, for their patients that are coming in that are experiencing multiple loss or things like that. Because again, it doesn't help to be told to go home and take a Panadol. You know, you should be, you should be given resources. You should be, um, yeah, certainly. I, I just wish that someone gave me like a pamphlet, a pamphlet here, connect with this group. They will help you with everything that's about to come up for you rather than I have to go down the Google track. So um, anything I think language-based that dismisses loss is just, is not valid. And, it, you know, anything that sort of acknowledges loss and acknowledges the grief is where we should be um, putting our attention to. And we'll link to the Pink Elephant Support Network. That sounds absolutely fantastic. But you're so right. Like, I think people, like, I think even doctors, like, they're not equipped for <laughs> how to deal with people with grief because it needs to be treated like any other type of loss of course yeah and you know again and that's where I guess it gets it, it does get sort of muddled as like this you know doctors are very like these are the facts the pragmatic approach and and I you know I respect that and I get that but you know we're also all human beings and you know, a little bit of sensitivity is not it's not too hard to pluck that out you know it's it's I, I get we might be the 10th miscarriage you've seen that day or something but you know, a little bit of sensitivity would be nice. Absolutely. And I think when people say those platitudes, like at least, or, you know, oh, it could have been worse or things like that. I think people think that they are being helpful, but what they don't realize is it can really minimize what you're feeling and going through. So it's just really good to be mindful of that language, but also sometimes all it, all, all it takes is just to listen and hold that space for someone without judgment or without trying to offer up a solution, I think can be really important. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Tahina, it has been so lovely to talk to you today. Thank you for giving us your time. Um, it's such a incredibly important topic. So um, thank you for, for doing all of the work that you're doing in this space. I think that this episode will really, really resonate with a lot of our listeners. Oh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. And, and just, you know, thank you for helping 
helping keep the conversation growing. It's taught me so much, <laughs> so, so much. And your documentary is so wonderful and we will link to it as well. It's on Stan if anyone wants to go and watch it. And we, yeah, we'll link all of the resources that we've spoken about today in our show notes too. But thank you so much. It was so lovely to connect with you and thank you for all the work that you're doing in this space. Uh, thanks so much, ladies. Um, you too. Thank you for what you're doing as well. It's very important.